25 short verses of this little book. It's just a letter, a personal letter that Paul wrote. And uh, let's just read the whole book if we could. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thine house. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, excuse me, that which is convenient, and yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own vows, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel, But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself." If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my vows in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborer, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, we have this letter here. We read the whole letter. Very short. Just a few moments. But I'd like you to think about something here. This book deals with a subject uh, that even to this day is still a touchstone. You, You mentioned the word slavery. And people flinch just a little bit. I mean, there's just something in us uh, as Americans that says uh, our culture, we hate slavery. Uh, And I've had people 
Well, you had slavery up until the Civil War, but let me ask you, what nation was willing to go through the bloodshed that America went through that slavery could have been disbanded? Uh, You stop and you think about that. Hundreds of thousands, I believe the death toll casualties from the Civil War was well over 600,000 people. Now stop and think about that. That is no small number. The population of the United States was not hardly 100 million in the 1860s where we're 350 million, three and a half times that now. To have 600,000 people die in five years in battles and disease and prison camps and all of the terrible things that went on that were associated with what was called, what is now called the Civil War, the War of the Rebellion, if you're still fighting the war as a northerner or the uh, the War of Northern Aggression. Every once in a while I'll meet someone and they'll use that title because they're still believing that uh, in all of the injustice, lots of terrible things happen on both sides. And let me tell you something. One of the reasons for the Civil War and all of the terrible things that attended it was because men in this country, leaders from its inception, just kept kicking the can down the road. They, uh, we'll, we'll deal with it. We believe all men are created equal, except for the slaves. Uh, but we're dealing with that. We're going to reduce slavery. And in the northern states, by the turn of the, uh, uh, the early 1800s, uh, slavery was outlawed. And the importation of slaves was outlawed into the United States. And only in the southern states in 1845, the Baptist Convention of the United States had a, had a uh, schism, a split over the issue of slavery. And the northern uh, Baptist churches joined the, the northern Baptist. They really original here, northern Baptist, southern Baptist. We still have the southern Baptist Convention started in 1845 by people... who, for all arguable purposes, were Baptist, believed this book, and yet were loyal to their state, and some of them even believed in slavery. How do you reconcile that? I don't. People are wrong about things, are they not? And uh, yet... If you study the history, the Southern Baptist churches, in spite of the pledged affinity for the Confederacy and all of those things that went on, stayed much closer to the Scripture much longer. The Northern Baptist Convention abandoned the gospel the turn of the 1900s. They were hardly a gospel-preaching church in the Northern Baptist. They changed their name to the American Baptist Convention, and today... The most liberal, godless churches that have the word Baptist on their names are associated with what once was that Northern Baptist Convention. 
Uh, you can still find the gospel preached in Southern Baptist churches on average, but you'll find many that have given it up as well. And, and so we have this issue called slavery. You can't find a verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not own a slave. And uh, people criticize the Bible for this and all of these things. And we're not going to deal with the entire issue of slavery tonight, but I would challenge you if you want to study the Old Testament, the laws that were sent out on what we would call indentured servitude or a temporary slavery where you would sell yourself, literally, to another Jewish person for a seven-year period that uh, most of us wouldn't mind working under that same kind of contract uh, because you would uh, get food, housing, clothing, place to live, all your debts paid, and then you would work for that person until your debt was paid. You were allowed to sell your services for a period of up to seven years. There was also a permanent slavery that was offered in the uh, Old Testament where someone could go and say, listen, this is not a bad life. I uh, not necessarily I enjoy losing my freedom, but my serving my master is a good life for me. My bills are paid. My, and they would willingly surrender their freedom forever. And they would take them to the center of town or to the gate of the city, and there would be a public ceremony, and they would take an awl, which most of us would have some familiarity with, a large needle, and they would start somewhere up on top of the earlobe and literally run that thing all the way down through. Uh, yeah, you're talking about painful. This isn't the little piercing that you get at the um, uh, mall or whatever. Uh, that would heal. In, in time, that wound would heal, but the earlobe would be swollen two or three times its size. There would be scar tissue there. You would be marked for life. Everyone would know. Wow, that guy couldn't make it on his own. Well, think about it from the other side. That guy must have an awful good man that he was willing to give his entire life's freedom willingly to serve. You see, that when Paul talks about Paul, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word in the Greek is the word for slave. And uh, people like to uh, change that, but it's not what we had in the colonial and early history of our country. This was a very humane way to live, and like I said... The contract would not be entirely far removed from many of what we call employment contracts today. 
And so, all of that being said, this was not the case with Onesimus. Philemon, as far as we understand, was not a Jewish man. Onesimus was not a Jewish slave. He was what we would call chattel slave. Uh, That meant that he was not a person legally in any sense. He was a piece of property. And uh, that's what slavery was. That's what it is. And yet, I want to challenge you to think about this today. How many people have sold their souls to pursue a career, to work a job, to gain a position? I remember one person told me one time, said, Well, Pastor, I told my employer I would never lie for them again. So, whoa, wait, wait a minute. Once you lie the first time, You've surrendered that privilege, that right. You know, no person is worth lying for, is worth selling your obedience to Christ. We we need to be careful about that because, honestly, the heart and attitude of each of us as a Christian should be reflected in the legal outset of the willing slave of the Old Testament Jewish community. Hey, I can't make it on my own. That that doesn't mean that I'm not a man of ability, that I couldn't uh, do other things if I chose. Some, Some preachers have said, if you can do anything else other than preach, do it. And really what they mean by that, I hope at least, is that the call of God and the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life is such. But I've met a few preachers over the years that, well, they could never hold a regular job, so that's what they do. And that's a sad testimony. That should not be the testimony of a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We willingly surrender our life to Jesus. He bought us from the slave market of sin. Amen? We were on our way to hell until Jesus took mercy on us and paid the price for our freedom. Can we say amen to that? Now we have this story, and I want you to, for a moment, if we can indulge Philemon. Apparently a man of some means. His house was large enough to house the church. Um, See, we have our home in the church building Philemon's home was big enough to have the church meet in his house. And that doesn't mean it was five or ten. Many of these early churches were, were, were very large indeed. And so chances are Philemon was a fairly well-to-do citizen of the empire, a landowner. 
he would have slaves. And this slave, we don't know what he did. In fact, isn't it interesting that Paul didn't even know what he did? Paul didn't investigate every problem that Onesimus may have caused Philemon. He didn't examine him and say, well, you stole, you know, a hundred dollars here and you stole the best horse that's worth so many dollars. And Paul did not quantify Onesimus' crimes, but there were. He was a runaway. He, he had gone and and we don't know how long he had been gone, but a runaway slave, a very valuable piece of property, something that would cost you money. And we don't know if he stole or did other things as well. And he's gone. All of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. And there's Onesimus. think the first thing that would come to your mind is all the wrong things that he did, how he cheated me, how he ran away, how he broke his trust, how, how he did all of these things. And in his hand, he's holding a letter. And Onesimus hands the letter. Now, how would you like to be Onesimus? Think about that for a minute. Here you are, a rascal. You know you're a rascal. You know you did wrong. And you're back knocking on your master's door. Now, there's a lot of cruel things that could have been done. And as Philemon takes this letter from the hand of his slave who had run away and disappeared and probably cheated him and other things, he sees Paul. Oh, wait a minute. This is from the Apostle Paul. This is, this is from... And Paul begins to plead with Philemon, who was probably one of the pastors, if not the senior pastor. He was the host of the church there. And as we read down here, we see that Philemon was a man of love and faith toward all the saints, that Philemon was not afraid to give. That's what that word communication means. You know, when, when, you, when we have guest speakers in and things, we want to send them away with a good love offering. Our missionaries, when they visit us. Uh, by the way, Brother Shaw is supposed to be with us the Sunday after Easter, if some of you remember Koi uh, uh, and Nancy Shaw, as they tried to get a Portuguese language or uh, church started here, the, it just never happened. But they've been ministering in Brazil for uh, several years now, and coming back on furlough, going to visit us, and uh, just looking forward to that. We want to be a blessing. We want to communicate. We don't want to just say, "Lord bless you, brother." We want to do it in such a way that they are blessed. Amen? And that was Philemon. I mean, Paul, it says the communication, verse 6, is, is effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Jesus is, you know, Philemon, when they, Paul is simply saying, when they use the term Christian, it's not a fake. Philemon exemplified Jesus Christ 
in his life. And that's a great thing. Now we have Onesimus, the slave. And now we have Paul pleading with Philemon for the sake of Onesimus. Now, Paul, you can see the humanity here. We have Paul addressing him and telling him of his faith in Christ and how good that is. And verse 8, he says, uh, I'm going to be bold here to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Now, what he meant by that is, this is really a good time to talk to you about Onesimus because Onesimus is standing at your front door with a letter from me. He said, I'm going to deal with this situation. You know, there, there are things that come up that are uncomfortable. This was uncomfortable for Philemon, very awkward as the former master, owner of this person. I, I mean, I'm sure that certain things were running through his mind as how I'm going to deal with this and uh, what am I going to do to bring this slave back into my house and not have him encourage the others to do uh, terrible things as he did. And I mean, there were just a multitude of things coming through and he's reading this letter as Onesimus is standing there in the awkward silence, and he said, I'm going to enjoin you on something that's convenient. It's, it wasn't pleasant. That's how we use convenient today. This is the time to deal with this, Paul's saying. This, this, we got to get this out. We're not going to just sweep it under the carpet and pretend it didn't happen here. We're not going to put it off. It, we're going to deal with this thing. Verse 9, Yet for love's sake, Paul's saying, I know that there's a relationship between me and you and between the Lord Jesus Christ and Philemon and between the Lord Jesus Christ and Paul. And Paul hasn't told him yet, but there's a re- that same relationship now exists between Onesimus and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged. Now, I'll tell you, I've, I've learned a few things over the years. Uh, I don't treat Brother Clayton exactly the same as I did uh, just 30 years ago when I worked with him. He's in his 80s now. Guess what? Aged people deserve our respect and honor, do they not? And uh, I think of my father-in-law. It just, last time we, not the last time we were there, but one of the last times, a couple times ago, we went there and we, we had a specific job in mind. We were going to cut wood for his furnace so that he would stay warm all winter. And so I had the boys out there and we were running the chainsaws and, moving the logs around and doing this and marking things. And and I'll tell you what, Dad wouldn't let us go out and work. He's out there with the chainsaw and working. and and, uh, But I'll tell you, what I wanted to do was just, Dad, sit down. But you know what? I knew he couldn't do that. 
It's not in his nature to sit down and watch other people work. And so we had to slow the pace down just a little bit. And we had to be careful. You see, Paul says, I'm not the same Paul that was there when we started the church. He says, I'm Paul the aged. He said, Philemon, I, I want you to think about some things. I mean, Paul wasn't being sly or manipulative here. He's just telling the truth and saying, now, now Philemon, I want you to think about things. This isn't just anybody asking you. This is Paul. And I'm an old man now. You know, Paul did some pretty harsh things when he was a young man. With John Mark. Uh, other things like that. When he gets to the book of Timothy, he's at the end of his life, he says, you bring Mark with me, with you, because he's profitable for the ministry. And, and so Paul is just beseeching Philemon on the basis of their relationship on his age. And then he says, yeah, and guess what? Uh, I'm not on a uh, Caribbean cruise here. I'm the prisoner of Rome as well. So I want you to think about this. And then we get down to um, uh, what verse is this thing here? Uh, Verse 19. And he says, I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. Now, you know, Paul is just addressing him as one human being to another. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Now, what did Paul just say? He said, I'm not telling you that you uh, are a Christian today on your way to heaven because of my ministry. But I'm not telling you that. You know what Paul, Paul was reminding him? God sent me. He was as kindly and as gently as he could. But he was reminding Philemon, listen... I want you to understand, I'm not asking you only on the sake of our friendship and and who I am and what I am. I'm asking you on the sake that, listen, I ministered to you in spiritual things. Now I'm asking you to take care of a physical problem. And so Paul is begging him on behalf of Paul here. Then he approaches Philemon from an entirely different perspective. He is beseeching or begging Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. Verse 10, he says, whom I have begotten in my bonds. He says, Onesimus is now a saved person. I led him to the Lord. And then in verse 11, And 12, he says, which in time past was to the unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. And Paul said, I would have kept him here in Rome because I know you can't come and minister to my needs. But Onesimus was willing to come and he has taken care of me and he has served me with the same spirit. And you you have to just put a little bit of thought into this here is Paul a prisoner in Rome, and Nesimus as a runaway slave wandering the darkest alleys and trying to keep out of the radar of the uh, powers that be and evading authority and all of these things. And all of a sudden he hears 
that Paul's in town. Who knows? Maybe he was standing there in the shadows as the Roman guard marched Paul down. He said, I think I know that guy. And he gets a little closer. Now, if you're a runaway slave breaking the laws of the land, where's the last place you want to go? To the place where all the Roman soldiers are. To the place where the authority is. And yet, here was Paul in prison. If you want to stay out of prison, visiting people in there might not be the best thing to do. There's been more than one criminal visiting his friend in jail that's been picked up uh, on the way in. And, uh, and here was uh, Onesimus, and he took that possibility because he said, I'm going to serve Paul. And Paul was able to help Onesimus trust Jesus as his Savior. Onesimus served Paul and ministered to him. But Paul says, listen... I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to force you into a decision. You know, it would have been a whole lot cheaper to keep Onesimus in Rome with Paul and send a letter that he was sending to the church of Colossus anyway, which is very close to where uh, Philemon lived and all of these things. He said, but I'm going to do this the right way. I'm sending Onesimus back to you. Because the authority line was broken between you and Onesimus. And that's got to be repaired before anything else goes forward. You'll follow that. That thing called authority. You can never escape it. You have to deal with it. And you have to deal with it biblically. There were legal requirements... Does that mean God endorses slavery or Paul was endorsing slavery? Not necessarily, but he was endorsing the keeping of the law and making things right. We're going to see what, that, what the Bible did to slavery uh, in just a few minutes here. But in verse uh, 15, he said, for, "...for perhaps he therefore departed for a season." that thou shouldest receive him forever. You know, there's not a word in here, an offering at all. He's not saying, give Onesimus his freedom because he's a Christian. Isn't that strange? But Paul is saying, listen, there were some things done that were wrong, and now we're going to make them right. This is not the time you would have picked, but it's very convenient because Onesimus happens to be handing you the letter that's talking about this problem. Uh, and so we're going to deal with that now. And, and he is bringing all of these things. And so Paul beseeches Philemon on behalf of Paul. Paul beseeches Philemon on, the half, on behalf uh, of Onesimus. And now... Let's look what he says here in verse 16. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Now that's a pretty searching verse there. He said, I want you to receive this man not as a servant. 
above a servant, as a brother. And Paul says, as someone specially beloved of me. Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? Does that kind of tell you what the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ thinks of slavery? All of a sudden, the issue of slavery becomes non-topical in the love of Jesus Christ. Positions. Paul would tell, uh, I believe it was the Corinthians, that the free man is the Lord's slave and the slave is the Lord's free man. What he's simply saying is, in Jesus Christ, we bypass this whole thing of demanded servitude. And we approach the realm of willing servitude. What would just stop and think, what would it be like at your workplace if everybody there did their jobs willingly and cheerfully and under the direction of the boss? Fantasy land, right? Yeah. But isn't that the way it's supposed to be in our church? Hello? We are willing servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an equality in our relationship. There is a line of authority in the church and it needs to be followed and we're going to do that by God's grace. And you know what? There's going to be difficulties that come up along the road. There was here. Onesimus ran away. Chances are he stole things. Chances are he did uh, some very wrong things. One of the reasons he did run away... But there he is standing at the door. And Paul says, I want you to receive him not as a servant, but as a brother. And and as a specially beloved brother of me. In fact, I, I want you to treat him like you would me if I came to your door. Now, that would be rather awkward, wouldn't it? But I, wanna, I want you to see something here. Verse 20, he says, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Now, that's an amazing statement right there. If I were Philemon, I'm going... Now, now, Paul, that's putting it on a little thick. Now, isn't it? No. Paul wrote this under the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. Because the Holy Spirit of God had given Paul the knowledge of Philemon's character and of his relationship with Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? And this little book helps us understand a few things. 
wrongs have to be made right. Amen? And if you want to make those things right, what you do is you find the person you're wronged and you go and talk to them about it. That's scary. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? But you know, in a church, if we're going to serve the Lord Jesus together, we've got to do this. And you know something? Over the years as the pastor of this church, I've dealt with many, many issues. And one of the things I have often found is no one is a mind reader. That's why you have to talk to people. Amen? I've met many people who say, well, so-and-so did this and that. And, and as the pastor, I, I've just looked at them and said, well, I, I know them. And if you'll just take my word for it, they have no idea that, you offended, that you're offended at them in this way. It, there's just no clue. Because they just don't get it. Now, here's what you need to do. If this thing bothers you, you need to talk to them and explain to them the problem. Uh, That's Matthew chapter 19 now, isn't it? 18, I'm sorry. You talk to that person alone. And if they won't hear you, well, then we've got to go through the processes. Well, it's really not that serious. Oh, it isn't. Well, just a minute. If it's really not that serious, then how about we just give that thing to the Lord and let it go away? Well, yeah. And I've had other people, well, I can't do that. Well, then it is that serious. You're going to have to talk with them. It's the only way you deal with this. That's, that's one of the things the book of Philemon says. Uh, a trip from Rome all the way to the, Rome, Italy, all the way across Greece into the middle of Turkey... That's a long trip in the first century. But wrongs have to be made right. And you can only do that when you're talking to the person. Amen? This whole issue of slavery becomes so non-topical in this book because the love of Christ transcends positions. You know, one of the great sins that has been fought and fought with in churches is we have multiple levels of Christianity. Well, that's for the... No, it's not for the pastor. It's for everyone. I've had people say, well, pastor, you know so much about the Bible. Well, you take the next 35 years of your life and study this book as your main occupation, and I'll tell you this, you'll learn something. Amen? Uh, You should know something more than you do today. Uh, It would be a shame if I didn't. Now, wouldn't it? But that's no excuse for us not to do what we're supposed to do. We have positions of authority. And we have to make wrongs right. But by the time we get to the end of the book of Philemon, even though legally Philemon is still a slave, and I mean Onesimus is still the slave, Philemon is still the master. Is anybody getting out their paperwork and checking these things? 
Or has Philemon did exactly what Paul, through the Holy Spirit, said he would do? And Philemon received Onesimus. What did it say there? He said, you can send him back to Rome to help me if you want. Or maybe God just sent him to be there forever. You know, I have a tendency to think with the travel restrictions and all of the things of the day, that the church that met in Philemon's house would never ask for a more faithful or more diligent servant than Onesimus was. That's just my thought on this. That Onesimus was glad to sweep the floors. He was thrilled to do the most mundane jobs. He was glorified in himself to do anything because he owed a debt to Philemon. But he owed a huge debt to the Apostle Paul for making all of this happen. But the greatest debt was to the Lord Jesus Christ for saving his soul. And here's Philemon saying, The love of God has restored our relationship and we found forgiveness and we found a way to move forward here. And see, this is one of the ways how you can investigate a situation and know that God is working. This brought joy to the Apostle Paul's heart knowing that this problem had been solved, didn't it? The relationship between Onesimus and Philemon was restored. Everybody in this story goes forward in their service for Christ. What is the rule that we often use in this world? Well, you just have to choose the lesser of two evils sometime. How many of you have heard that? Do you know that borders on blasphemy for the Christian to say that? Because the Christian never has to choose evil. Can we say amen to that? Hello? We can see God work if we'll just do it His way. And that's what the Apostle Paul did with 25 verses. He just wrote a letter. And, and Paul was, as, as we might say, he was pouring it on thick. I'm Paul the aged. I'm Paul the prisoner. I, I'm the guy that led you to the Lord. Don't you forget it. But I'm not saying that. I just want to... Uh, uh, you to understand that I will pay any debt that you're going to exact, but I know your heart because I know the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is where real forgiveness happens. You see, there's always payment with forgiveness. Don't ever let any fake substitute forgiveness come into your life. There's always payment. But let me ask you, who made the payment in this story? 
How many of you want to say, Paul paid? Well, what about Philemon? Did he pay? Onesimus? How about Jesus? When he died on the cross. Isn't that where the payment was made? And that's why Paul was confident in Philemon. Because the forgiveness that Jesus gave Philemon for his sins was now extended from Philemon to Onesimus for his sins against Philemon. See, that's how I truly forgive another person. It's not because I'm big, not because I'm gracious, not because I'm more spiritual than you are. You know what it is? It's because Jesus forgave me that huge debt. What you've done against me or what I could have done against you is nothing in comparison to what we've done against Jesus individually. That's where we find forgiveness. And in this situation, everybody goes forward in their relationship with God. It was a win-win-win. Paul wins. Onesimus wins. Philemon wins. The church in Philemon's house wins. Everybody moves forward in their relationship with Christ. When the devil works, well, we might have one good over here, but we got a lot of bad over here. And you know, some people will not let God work in their life. It took all three of those people to surrender their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ to make this thing happen. If Onesimus had refused to take that letter to Paul and had refused, I mean, take the letter to Philemon and had refused to do all of this, at best he would have spent the rest of his life as a fugitive in the sewers of Rome. If Philemon had refused to surrender his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us about the root of bitterness that springs up inside and many are defiled by it. If the Apostle Paul had refused to surrender to the Lord Jesus in this, Onesimus would have never gotten saved. And God would have held Paul responsible for that on Judgment Day. We cannot make other people do right. But when someone wants to serve Jesus honestly and truly, not only in words, that's when God works. And when God works, He works it out all the way around. And God's people said, Heavenly Father, we